3, 2, 1, roll the footage! Welcome back, everybody. I'm Simon Severino, your host. What if you could hang out with sprinters and ask them about their problems, their workflows, and their solutions? That's exactly what we do here at the Strategy Sprints podcast. And today we explore with functional genomics pioneer and CEO of the DNA company, how we can live 123 years old and die happy. Genetic optimization for high-performance people, why we do not have to suffer when we're old, how our instruction manual looks like, what's the difference between healthcare and sick care, and how to even maybe reverse Alzheimer's disease. Welcome, everybody. Kashif Khan. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. So cool to have you here. And uh, this is something special because it's a two-part episode First part, we dive into functional genomics and why it matters and how you are changing really the world here, the health of the world with your mission. And part two will be the application of it. We will go through one real report. I am volunteering to be the data giver and we see bit by bit what this implies and why it matters. So welcome. And um, tell us a little bit about your mission and your company. So we uh, simply put, we want to make chronic disease optional. We believe that, you know, you're not born with diabetes. You're not born with cholesterol issues. These are things that happen over time because you made the wrong choices, right? But what those choices are, are different for each one of us. And you would think that with some of these things, you know, just learn what to do, learn what to eat, what to, but no, the truth is that, for you and me, because our genetics and what's going on in these trillions of cells that make up our body are unique, the things that we're capable of are also unique. And it doesn't mean that there's, you know, seven, eight billion people, so there's seven, eight billion things we need to do. We fall into buckets. We just need to learn what those are. So we optimize our health and either reverse disease if we're already sick or prevent it by doing the right things. Can we explain what is the difference between the traditional gene researcher and and the functional genomics the way you do it? Sure. So the belief has been that, so first of all, you use the key word, the researcher, right? So the science has been driven by research, meaning we've been learning about DNA. And how do you learn? You take a gene and you try and figure out what it means, right? And you try and figure out the usage, how it applies. And that led to this siloed approach of gene by gene by gene application. The body doesn't work like that. It's not 22,000, which is actually the number of genes in your body, by the way. It's not 22,000 independent genes doing independent things. There's systems. There's you know processes of which seven genes this way and seven genes that way are all intersecting to do something together, right? Now, if you don't understand the map, if you don't understand sort of the, the symphony as opposed to each individual instrument, what happens if you have 20 different instruments as opposed to a symphony? You don't have a song. You just have a bunch of noise, right? And this is the difference between functional genomics is we don't believe that genes only solve genetic problems, meaning I'm born with sickle cell syndrome. So let's try and find the switch that turns that gene on or off, which one day gives us a solution. And this is why geneticists aren't working on chronic disease because there's no direct 
this gene equals diabetes, right? Meanwhile, this gene equals how I deal with insulin. This gene deals with how I deal with carbs. This gene deals with how I deal with fats. Put that all together and you can get to something like diabetes. And that's what we do. I am just sending in my DNA sample to your team. And some people listening right now, they might go, hey, wait a moment. I did send my samples to 23andMe a couple of years ago, and then I got screwed. They sold my data to Big Pharma. How do you uh, make sure the data is well managed? Well, we first of all, we do things differently, not just because of sort of our promise, but we just believe that they've done every the way the jack industry is built i believe was wrong they're giving away the most valuable piece which is the data so they're building these businesses of front end let's sell a recreational product that gets a lot of consumers to buy our thing to then sell the data to glaxo and pfizer etc right so that thing that they're giving away the data is actually what the customer enter the ecosystem for they're saying take my data and give me back something useful right? Help me with it. So we built this algorithm that is a little ridiculous that can analyze DNA uh, and give you that in-depth insight for which the data has been given away. So rather than sell it, we mine it, right? We go dive deep and find what you need that you didn't even know you needed. There's pain points where, you know, I'm losing my hair. I have fibromyalgia. My father had prostate cancer. There's things you want to deal with, but then there's the other six, seven things you didn't even know were coming, right? You had no clue. So that's where we say, rather than sell data, we should be mining it, curating the solutions and allowing you to access it to then further advance either prevention of disease or optimization of health. So that's what we do. And your thesis is our genes do not change over life, but our choices make a big portion yeah. of if we are healthy or not. Can you can you unpack that? Yeah, so you're, what are your genes? They're literally your instruction manual. There are 22,000 lines of code that tell all the cells in your body what to do. There's a few hundred of them that impact, and in terms of what we know so far, healthcare, right? There's about 100 of them that we really take seriously in terms of driving the major systems, your cardiovascular system, hormone system, et cetera, right? So now if you dive into that, you know, you can, if you mine a gene by gene, you're going to be limiting yourself to, okay, I was born with this problem and now I can make it go away or maybe one day wait for a pharmaceutic that will, you know, help deal with it. If you go beyond that into, well, I'm born with this suboptimal hardware, call it at the cardiovascular level. I have the bad version of the artery cellular structure, right? So it's more prone to inflammation, as an example. That doesn't mean that I'm getting cardiovascular disease, right? It just means that if I do the wrong things, like smoke, uh, expose myself to chemicals and pesticides, not sleep properly, have too much stress, I am the first person that will get that cardiovascular disease. The person with the best version of that cellular structure, that's why you see there's people that smoke till they're 100 and have no problem, right? There's some people that play soccer and drop dead at 35 of a heart attack, right? They have the best trainers, best fitness. Why do they get heart disease at 35 and drop dead? Because the hardware they had wasn't designed for that excessive exercise that they were doing as a profession. 
right? So all we're identifying is what are you capable of? What is your body designed to do? And now you know environment, nutrition, lifestyle. What are those loads that you're capable of handling? And then you have two possible choices. One is to change the load, right? And to say that I actually can't be a professional soccer player because that cardiovascular exercise, I don't have the arterial system to be able to cope with that, right? Or you can supplement. You can say, I need to do this thing. I'm not going to stop playing golf and exposing myself to all the chemicals that I can't handle, right? So I'm going to take the right supplements, do the right foods, do the right treatments to mitigate, right? So it's, it's input, output. You have to balance those two things based on what your body was actually capable at a genetic level. Beautiful. Can you tell us one example, maybe from your team or from the people you work with, where you have seen a big change by what you have found out? So even what I just spoke of, right? Cardiovascular. I, it's the number one killer in the world, right? We, I think 18 million people died of cardiovascular disease last year. Um, if you look at that one thing in the United States, you know, I'm in Canada, by the way, just south of us. Lipitor, cholesterol drug, is the number one prescribed drug. It's almost taken for granted that once you're at the age of 50, that you will have some sort of cardiovascular disease. They say at least 50% of people in the U.S., right? So why is that happening? Just what I spoke of, that in arterial wall, the inner lining is called the endothelial, right? So that's where the blood actually flows through and touches, that, that wall of the inside of the artery. There's different versions. You can have the stainless steel, can handle anything. You can have the paper thin, really prone to inflammation. But again, we said that that person can grow up on a beach somewhere, never get sick because they were never exposed to anything, right? So what would cause us to have a problem? There's a process in your body called glutathionization. It's the removal of toxins. So when you sleep at night, your body binds onto toxins and helps you feed them out in the morning. That's glutathione. Some people don't do that well, genetically. You can actually be missing that gene. Forget about one version, you might not even have it. Literally, you didn't get the gene, right? So now, if you have that, and you're doing the wrong things, for example, exposing yourself to toxins or smoking or, you know, uh, even something as simple as golfing, which is the example you asked for, one of our early stage investors used to golf four days a week, right? So golfing four days a week for four or five hours at a time, he was exposing himself to all those pesticides in the grass that made it so beautiful, right? Without the genetic ability to clear those toxins that he was now... So they're free-flowing in his blood. Too much, right? This cellular structure is not capable of dealing with that toxic insult. So it causes damage, abrasions, scratches, because it has the paper-thin version what is the body's response to damage of the cellular tissue at the endothelial lining? It actually sends cholesterol as a hormone to reduce the inflammation. Right? That's the purpose. When cholesterol meets free radical activity toxins, it actually hardens and then it gets deposited because it was never meant to meet that stuff. Right? So now the vicious cycle, now fast forward, this guy was 38 years old on cholesterol today. Couldn't understand why. I eat well, I exercise, I do everything right. Well, the exercise is actually what was causing the problem because you're exposing yourself to chemicals you couldn't clear, causing the inflammation, 
causing the cholesterol to actually keep you alive. This is exactly going back to the, and this is actual investor in our company. You know, and this is why he invested, by the way, because we got, we were the only solution that got got him off pills, right? So, and this goes to the same example of that soccer player that drops out at 35, which we've seen Olympic runners, the best shape of their life. Why is it at that age, 35, 40, all of a sudden heart attack dead? Because that, and this is why I said it could be input, it could be output. But the input was I breathe in chemicals, right? The output could be if you're doing heavy cardiovascular exercise, you're creating free radicals. What do your cells do? They take nutrition and they take oxygen and they create energy. That's what all your cells do. In that process of taking oxygen and converting it to energy, they also create oxidants, which are toxic. And if you do too much cardiovascular activity without the genetic ability to clear those oxidants, which some people don't have, you now have too much of this free radical activity in your blood, which again can cause inflammation, which can cause that blockage, which at 30 years old, your doctor's not even testing for. And then boom, you drop dead. Right? So that's a simple example of cholesterol wasn't the problem. That's the symptom we're masking. That's the pain that made me go to the doctor. And they're going to say, yep, you have something. We're going to get rid of it. But did they actually solve a problem? Right? The problem is years before of wrong choices. So that's where if we unlock our genetics, you can understand what to even look for. Right? And that's what we do. I lost you for one second now. I have you again. One thing that surprised me, because we are talking here genomics, functional genomics, so mapping out the genes. And one of the things that you take really seriously is mood and behavior. I wasn't yes. expecting that. Can you tell us why you check mood and behavior? Yeah, that's actually one thing that really sets us apart in terms of what we do. Again, this is an area where geneticists believe that there's no direct, you know, there's nothing to talk about. We understand the genetics of what drives the neurochemicals, but it doesn't really tell us anything actionable, which we believe is actually completely the opposite. And we've proven this over and over and over again. We're actually working right now on a project uh, for Amazon uh, for their employees in terms of the, you know, the post-COVID mental health crisis. And how do we build solutions for them that helps their employees get back to a better mental state, right? And part of that is, I can if I have your DNA, I know your personality. I know how you deal with emotions. I know your ability to deal with PTSD, trauma. Uh, if you're an addict, if you're a binger, uh, if you lean on food as a coping mechanism, you know, if your mood dysregulated, if you're irritable, It's all driven by your neurochemicals. There's, you know, dopamine, which is pleasure and reward. There is serotonin, which is your mood balancer. Um, there's noradrenaline, which is your ability to deal with negative stimuli like trauma, right? Uh, then you have brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is primary purpose to protect you from concussions. So we know if a kid could be playing aggressive sports or not, how they handle that knock on the head, that same gene also deals with mood in terms of that drama clean response the overreactor the person that slams doors and yells right so because we've mapped this all out 
first of all, it's interesting to understand that the way you behave isn't just your surroundings or how you developed. It's hardwired. Your genetics have already determined that, right? The second thing is now that you know that, the awareness that's given in terms of how I behave with people, why do I do what I do at work, how I deal with reward and achievement, right? And more importantly, how I deal with mental health. So will I lean on addiction? Will I lean on binging? Can I? Am I the person that needs to watch five episodes of Netflix and I can't turn it off, right? Literally, that's all genetically driven. So imagine knowing that about your brain neurochemicals and how you're wired and what that unlocks as a superpower in terms of what I do and what I don't do, right? So we've done this with a lot of executives. We've done it with teams and putting teams together. We're right now working with some NBA teams in terms of how they, the dynamics of all the individual players. So it, it really blows people away in terms of, oh, this is who I actually am genetically. One thing that, that I found particularly interesting, because right now, people listening, they are entrepreneurs. Right. And um, what you have found out is that it's the same pattern that makes an entrepreneur that yeah. makes a drug addict. Yes. <laughs> can, you, can you unpack that? Yeah. So, and this is why you often hear, like, why is it these high-achieving people are depressed and committing suicide? Like, they have everything in the world. What, what happened, right? Anthony Bourdain, the, you know, the chef in CNN, you know, show, he, people, they were so shocked. He was at the peak, you know? Why did he kill himself? So this is what happens is what makes a, the reward gene, dopamine, Right, so dopamine is that chemical that makes you experience pleasure, but also reward, achievement, right? So now, if you have the low version of that experience, which is genetically predetermined, which means the binders in your brain, you don't have enough of them. So when you get that reward or pleasure-seeking experience, you just don't feel it, right? It's way down here. Then... As it's happening, there's two more chemicals in that process. There's something called MAO, which breaks the dopamine down to bring you back to normal. You're supposed to get back to your normal state. Some people can have a slow version or a very fast version, right? Then there's an enzyme called COMPT, which clears the dopamine out. You're done with that reward. You got to go back to normal. So feel it, break it down, get rid of it. That's the process. I, in particular, have the lowest possible expression of dopamine binding so i feel it way down here i have the fastest mao and the fastest comp so it lasts like that so there's three possible outcomes for me and you wonder why my previous generation all my uncles were all addicts they were all alcoholics right but they were also successful in their businesses because i don't get to feel that reward or pleasure when i do i pursue it I jump on it and I want more and I want more and I want more. Whatever I did yesterday isn't good enough. So there's three possible outcomes of depression because I just don't feel. I don't get to enjoy. Addiction because I'm feeding the pleasure with something third party and addicted and getting more and more. Or achievement because I'm feeding it with reward instead of pleasure. Right? There's two paths for between reward and pleasure. And this is why you see commonly entrepreneurial people are very easily leaning towards addiction or depression because they're not pursuing the reward anymore, right? They're not driving that side. So it's very important for entrepreneurs 
to constantly pursue reward and never stop challenging themselves. And this is why often you feel it's not about the money at some point, right? It's about impact and find your impact, chase it, because it's very likely that setting, sitting back can lead you down the other path of pleasure, which is depression and addiction, right? So very dangerous balance to play. But again, knowing this about yourself, you can now do something about it, right? Absolutely. And right now, so many people listening, oh, that's me, that's me. And I'm <laughs> sure we will, in, in, the, in the next episode, we will definitely go there because you will find that in, yeah. my, in my report, definitely. And if somebody says, oh, I don't want to wait 14 days to have the solution, I am this kind of guy. So I should still challenge myself, right? And right. Uh, what should I maybe take taking care of? I don't want a heart attack, uh, but yeah. I should stay active. How do I find the balance? Yeah, so there's there's things. So for example, for me, I couldn't go on a vacation. You know, the family wants to go sit on a beach. I, I look like a crackhead, you know, like I just need to do something, right? So we've learned now. So one thing is to learn kind of what's wrong with me. The second is how do I fix it? That's really the most important part. If you can't do anything about it, all you get is anxiety that, oh, I have this thing, right? So what we've been doing the last three years, we've sat down and studied 6,000 people in person. We sat with 6,000 people one by one by one. And we've looked at how do we up and down regulate their genetic expression. So there's one thing to be able to map and understand the genes better, but how do we actually help people? That was the big challenge because that science didn't exist. So we were only able to do that by literally meeting 6,000 people one by one, dealing with all the problems and then documenting, here's the things that worked. Simple example. Some of your listeners have probably heard of Upgrade Labs. It's a clinic that's owned by Dave Asprey. He's got two locations in LA and he's now going to be growing that, right? So it's a biohacking gym. You go in there and there's different equipment that does different things to your body. So the CEO of Upgrade Labs used to really love the cryotherapy, the cold temperature therapy. He also used to really love the sauna and he would go in there and do that stuff a lot. And his wife would say that he was in a better mood when he would do that, right? Which he's like, no, it's just, it's cryotherapy. So what is one of the things that upregulates dopamine expression is temperature dysregulation, right? That's why you find a lot of, uh high performing people like things like skiing and like they like cold and they also like you know surfing and they like the hot they like the change right because that change in temperature pushes your dopamine levels up so it's a simple thing where if you need to relax if it's the weekend and you need to spend time with your kids take a cold shower in the morning and all of a sudden dopamine levels are boosted up for the day right and you're not seeking the reward not pushing you're kind of zen and balanced right it's one thing but there's 10 or 15 things that we've documented there's supplements you can take there's foods you can eat right so this is where in terms of the reports that we build they go beyond here's what's wrong with me good luck which is what genetic reports typically do it's now how do i fix it and the last layer is we hired dr bj fogg who's head of the stanford university behavioral change lab Right, so he understands now that we know what you need to do. How do I actually get you to do it? And those insights are built right into the report. Right, so now that we know, here's what you need to do. Here's the habits you can adopt 
so that you'll actually do it, right? So that we put that right into the report. I love the work of BJ Falk and his students have, um, have developed Instagram and yes. other things that really work based on the principles he teaches. Yes, exactly. His students literally built Instagram. They built new, the weight loss app, you know, because they've understood behavioral change to that degree. Beautiful. So I'm so excited. I have sent in now the data. Which categories will I get back? What are the main buckets that you check for? The six main buckets are cardiovascular, mood and behavior, as we talked about, uh, personalized diet and nutrition, you know, how do I eat or what, how am I supposed to eat, uh, fitness and hormones, so how is my body developing. Uh, we then get into chronic sleep issues, which is the root cause of a lot of problems. And then we get into immunity and detox and inflammation, which is a root cause of a lot of wrong. Right. Awesome. So those six, we believe that when you get through those six, you're kind of, it's like a genetic car wash. You're optimized as a human, right? So one thing I have to apologize, right? We switched to my phone and my battery is getting low. I don't want to lose you guys. Can I quickly just grab that charger? I don't sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, switch it, switch it. Yeah. I, will, okay. I will give one word to our sponsor. Sure. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. Hey, if you like the tools, go grab them for free at strategiesprints.com slash tools. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. All right. While our guest is switching his tech, hello. Yeah, did it work? It worked. Sorry, I just yeah, I just plugged in. Sorry about that, guys. We had the technical issue earlier. My laptop was having a challenge. Yeah, that's real life. That's the stress <laughs> of being <laughs> of being live and uh, of creating things. Yeah, no kidding. So how, how how you how do you deal with stress? What do you have found out about your own stress yeah. coping abilities and behaviors? So, first of all, my ability to cope with stress at the genetic level is extremely high, right? There's a couple of reasons. First of all, because I'm pursuing reward, it's not impacting me so much because the reward is so important that the pain along that path doesn't matter, right? And a lot of entrepreneurs feel that way, that they're, they're, the goal is such a big deal to them that I'll take the pain, right? The second thing is there's a gene called noradrenaline which is literally, we call it the PTSD gene, like your ability to deal with trauma, right? Now, if you have the deletion for that, which I have, you actually filter right through trauma. You don't hold on to negative. So two people can get in a car accident, right? One person walks away, jumps in an Uber or whatever to get home. The other person just sees the same color car a week from now and they get a reaction or they hear a bang sound a month or now and they get a reaction right so there's different versions of your ability to cope with trauma so we actually did a project with the u.s black ops military 
to say who should actually be deployed in active combat that can actually come back with zero PTSD, mm-hmm. right? Who should not be the front line because they're going to have severe trauma for a long time, right? So that thing, I'm deleted for that gene. So I actually don't feel the pain. I don't hold the grudge, right? That allows me to deal with stress at a very high level because it's every time it's a new experience. It's not, I'm not bringing back the weight of last time, right? The last thing I'll say about that, there's a gene called BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor. We just talked about it. It's your ability. Its primary purpose is neuroplasticity, brain repair, the connections, right? And it's meant to protect you from concussion. So now, because it deals with neuroplasticity and the connections, it's also about how do you uh, deal with sort of the weight or the meaning of things. And I have the most optimal version of that gene, which means that I don't have to give things a lot of weight or value. I could just logically think through them. So if there's a big problem or a great thing, positive or negative, I just kind of like, eh, and I get through it, right? Which is that entrepreneurial spirit. Lawyer letter in the mail, okay, what does it say? Let's move on. Whereas somebody that has the bad version of that, lawyer letter in the mail, that's all they can think about that day. And like their whole day is screwed up and they're, they're thinking about it at night, they can't sleep, right? So literally, I'm genetically wired to be an entrepreneur, right? The front, and if you, and what we actually call this is warrior genetics, by the way. Mm. This profile, we call it, because it didn't come from, so you, you inherit your ancestors' legacy. That's your genetics. It's whatever they did, whatever they needed to do is how their genetics evolved, and that's what you now have. So we call this warrior genetics because it typically came from high-stress warrior fighting, constant battle, for which they had to think the way I think. I'm just applying it in a different battlefield now. Right? And you have warrior and warrior, like with A yes. and with O. Yes. We, and we've, we've documented that also. And this is where one of our founders, there's, there's four founders in the company, One of them is the exact opposite of me. He has the warrior genetics, not the warrior, the warrior, right? And so in the first year of the business, there was a lot of friction between us because, and this was before we truly understood ourselves, right? There was a lot of friction because we would leave a meeting and there'd be like 10 things to do and I'd be on it and like I couldn't sleep at night until I got it done. He'd be on his laptop looking for the next vacation, right? And I was like, well, I don't understand why we can't work together. Like, it's not working. The guy is brilliant, by the way, right? He's really good at what he does. Then we found he's the exact opposite of him. He has the maximum dopamine receptors in his brain. He has the slowest possible comp, right, which flushes it out. So he feels pleasure constantly at a very high level, and it lasts a long time. So for him, he doesn't pursue reward because there's no motivation. But when he enjoys something, when he finally gets that peak of something that goes beyond normal, he will binge on it and do a better job than anyone. So you leave a meeting, 10 action items, eight of them he's not even going to touch. He'll still feel like he did it because he gets a sense of reward from very little. But the thing that he actually enjoys and wants to do, he's going to come back like he wrote a book. And he'll dive so deep, deeper than anyone. So it's a very different skill set, right? That comes out of the way the brain is wired. This is fascinating. And uh, before you know that in the team you have friction, and uh, if you know this, 
you you can collaborate on a very yeah. different level. Yeah, exactly. This is powerful. So not just individuals should do the test, but really also teams. Oh, yeah, we do this with teams, literally with sports teams, but also executive teams, even with families. We, we have a lot of, you know, somebody will buy the test, somebody comes through some clinic with some problem. Once they learn this, they're like, I need this for my wife and my kids, or I need this for my husband and my kids, because then they understand how we, we're literally dealing with that right now. There's a family here in Toronto whose child is uh, autistic, so behavioral development issues, right? So because of the test, they now understand why and how this child is reacting and how to deal with him, right? So they had a constant struggle. And now we're getting to the point where we're getting this child off of sort of mental health uh, drugs, right? So psychotherapy drugs, uh, because they've understood why he behaves the way he behaves. It's not that he has a problem. It's actually a superpower. If you, They're just not harnessing it the right way. Right? They expect him to behave in a certain, but that's not how he was designed, right? So, yeah, so teams, executives, families, at any time where the humans are interacting with each other, if you don't understand how you think and how you're wired and how that other person is thinking, there's going to be a clash in certain areas. I was talking with my wife right before this episode, and I, because my wife observes some things in me that I didn't know, for example... Um, at specific times, I do very specific things. And she says, oh, it's half past five, you're eating again. So yeah, yeah. There, there is some kind of inner clock yes. and that brings me naturally to do certain things at a very specific time every day. I don't even know them, but she, she knows them. And she's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know the time because you are now uh, going to the fridge. <laughs> yes. So th there's two layers to that, by the way. There's literally a gene called clock. Mm -hmm. Right. And that gene called clock literally does what you're saying. It sets circadian rhythm. So there's there's multiple circadian rhythms, how you sleep, how you eat, your hormones. You know, women have a monthly menstrual cycle. Men actually have a daily menstrual cycle, by the way, the way you metabolize testosterone. You do it every day. Right. Women do we have a menstrual day. cycle. That's new. Tell me more. A, man, a menstrual cycle. It's for man. Right? Ah. <laughs> you literally daily you take progesterone. You convert it to testosterone, you convert that to estrogen, and then you pee it out. You do that every day. Every man does it in a slightly different way, but we all do it. So same thing. When, now, th that's the one layer. The circadian rhythms of your body are the, the, the systems in way your body interacts with time. right? And there's, there's set clocks. And now, the, so that's one. The other layer is entrepreneurs are more likely to have the behavior describing because addicts like to do things the same way on time every day, right? The, and you'll find I'm the exact same way. If I don't eat on time, I get frustrated. Not because I'm hungry, but because I feel bad that I didn't eat on time. So I didn't feel the protein for my workout. I didn't, I'm going to be late for the next meal. I screwed up everything, Right. It's that it's a reward-seeking response where you need to schedule, you need to make sure you did it, you need to check the box, <laughs> right? It comes from the same exact thing. And we, and we actually coach executives through this because when you get home, you need to change the way you operate, but you also need to understand that that's a superpower you have that other people don't, so use it to your advantage. 
It's fascinating. And yeah. I was also thinking I should do the test also uh, with my kids because we have two kids. And now you might say, well, it's the same genetic pool, so it will be the same. Well, but we have different genetic pools, right? And so yeah. if I see them, how they behave, their personality, their personality was very different from day one. Right. So I guess it's it makes sense to make to make for to make the test with children. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a saliva test, so you spit in a tube. Uh, so as soon as they're able to literally spit, they can be tested. There's no age limit. Your DNA that you're born with is your DNA for life, so nothing changes. And the, so anything where you're dealing with prevention, the earlier you start, the better off you are, right? So imagine with a kid, there's two layers. The parent having access to the child's instruction manual. Here's my kid's instruction. I, when I buy a toaster or a microwave, I get an instruction manual. When I get something as complicated as a child, I have no clue how that child works, right? I have to spend the first seven, eight years figuring them out. Personality, all that stuff. So now imagine you understand hormone development, how their body's going to change, how their brain is wired, what career they're actually designed for, how they deal with athletics and food and how they deal with fats and carbs and what they're actually meant to eat. So all that stuff can be unpacked to the child. Uh, it's, and that's one layer, making it easier for the parent and the relationships. But the other layer is, imagine knowing that early, what the possibilities are for disease and being able to prevent it all because you got it early enough, right? Well, you're not, there's no child that's walking around with cholesterolemia unless it's a direct genetic cause, right? They're not born with environmental, like I smoked, so I have a heart problem, right? But when you catch it that early, you can prevent everything. You have that opportunity. So this is where we feel that the younger you are, the better it is. That's powerful. I am so excited. And I have to tell you, I come from a place which is absolutely the opposite of biohacking. <laughs> I went, I think I think I went consciously the first time to a doctor because I just I just don't like and don't feel that I need doctors in my life. Yeah. So I yeah. went one because I had to. There yeah. was some some professional situation where I, I had to show that I'm healthy. So I go to the doctor, first first visit, she makes a ton of tests, and then she says, Oh. Uh, oh, your cholesterol. Uh, okay, so what I do? Well, eat less pasta, eat less bread, and drink less red wine. And I say, you know that I'm Italian. <laughs> 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 so, of course, I changed doctor. I, I never yeah. went back. But ten, five years later or six years later, a friend of mine says, hey, let's do a triathlon. And I go, okay, why not? I buy a bike. I start working out because yeah. it's fun. And then it's, things got serious and we got ambitious and we wanted to be the first. So now I, I took a, a full team of doctors and, yeah. and trainers to really prepare me right. for, for races. Yeah. And, and that changed everything because that blood work was not just telling me, uh, hey, stop being an Italian. <laughs> it was more precise, it, and it, it. Since then, I do it every year because it really helps on every level, on being yeah. a better human and being a better father and being longer around. Now I have the goal to become 123 years old, and everything that helps me learn about my metabolic system, mood and behavior, uh, how I can be a better human, 
is Qualcomm, and this will will turbo boost uh, my next months. What we are going to do here? Yeah, and this goes back to the very first thing you said. You know, sick care versus healthcare, right? And we've been trained that you don't do everything you want. Go do anything, eat anything, do anything, do, and then when you get sick, the doctor will fix you, right? That's what we've been taught. We've been taught that go do everything wrong. It's okay when it hurts. You know, once the disease is actually expressing whatever that disease is, go to the doctor and they'll fix you. And so doctors react to how do I get rid of the symptom? Symptom masking. That's what medicine is. It's not. The, this, the measure of success is the thing you're complaining about is gone. Why it happened and what you're doing to make it happen and why it might come back to it, it's, that's not part of the job, right? So, and, I, and I don't blame doctors. The problem is their toolkit. The thing that they have access to isn't prevention. It isn't asking why did this problem happen. It's only about what in this toolkit can I use that cuts it off, that masks it, that makes the pain go away. So that's the only question they could ask you is what pushes them towards this stuff in their toolkit, right? So ultimately, in today's healthcare system, if you want to prevent or reverse, you have to do it yourself because your doctor isn't trained for it. I'm super excited about our next episode, which will be really, really practical going through the report as an example of what this can do for you. We will go through my red flags because I want to help more people get your message, which can help really reduce the vast majority of these typical diseases, cardiovascular diseases that are really everywhere, like migraines that many of my friends have, yeah. uh, might be solved just by knowing a little bit more about your instructional manual. And uh, so many of the things that bother us uh, might be really uh, easily solvable with your very accessible, very quick test. So I am super excited for the next episode. In around 10, 10 to 20 days, we will be back with the report and go even deeper. Is there anything I forgot to ask you? Uh, no, I mean, in terms of uh, your audience, uh, we can, we'll come up with something. I'm not sure how you publish this, but we'll make sure they get some kind of you know, uh, discount or incentive so that they, they get a benefit from, from listening today, right? Mm. Um, outside of that, I mean, really, the whole message, I can't stress enough that you got to take charge of your own health. You got to do what you just did, right? Which is, oh, now I realize that in order to live to, to be 100, it is, first of all, possible to live to be 123, right? You weren't born sick. You know, God forbid you have some kind of genetic issue, That's, but that's maybe 2%, 1%. 90% of health issues are chronic disease, meaning you were not born with it. So if that's what you were given, if that's the gift that you were born with of health, it's your choice to continue that or not. right? And your choice meaning what are you doing right and wrong? The question of how, you, how do I know what's right and wrong, of course, is dipping into your instruction manual. And by doing that, living to 123, not only getting to that age, but getting to that age with longevity, with vitality, like you're 123 walking, not lying in a hospital bed, right? That is possible today. It is very possible. There's people in South America that live over 100 because they're just living a pure organic life that's matched to their genetics. 
right? And they're living with vitality at that age. So, in short, it's it's disease is now optional with the technology we have. We just have to dive in. Disease is now optional. What a wonderful sentence. And uh, it, it reminds me of the Dalai Lama. You know, uh, you, you, we don't have to suffer. Suffering is there, uh, but we don't have to. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. So I'm super excited, Kashif, to have you here very soon when we discuss the report. Where can people, if they say, oh, I want also to do the DNA test right now so that when Simon is back, I can, I can in parallel also go through my results. Where can they yeah, go? Yeah, that's actually, your suggestion is awesome because if people have their report, we're going to be going through yours, which this we typically don't do. The reports are self-serve. You read it, you understand it, but we're going to dive deep into the science with you so people can follow along. Uh, TheDNAcompany.com. So it's TheDNAcompany.com. Um, literally, there's just, there's one test that's there. It's the one thing we do. Uh, so take a look there. And it'd be awesome to have the whole group following along at the same time. The biggest, we could set a record, the biggest group genetic consult in the world ever, that we've ever seen. Super cool. Let's do this. Yeah. All right, Kashif. So cool to have you here. And we'll see each other soon. So thank you for this first step. And I'm excited about our journey. See oh, you thank soon. You. All right. Talk soon. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your